the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. The Bickersons have retired. As usual, Mrs. Bickerson tosses restlessly while her husband, John Insomniac Extraordinary, provides this audible testimony of his constant wakefulness. Let's listen. For the love of heaven, what is he doing? John! 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 What's the matter with you? You are making the most frightful noises. What's the matter? What's the matter, Blanche? Are you in pain? I've got a terrible headache. Haven't slept a wink. You've been sleeping like a felled ox. Shh. Headaches. You wouldn't have such a headache if you didn't make so many cocktails before dinner. Why do you do that, John? Always do it. Why? No good to eat on an empty stomach. Put out the lights, John. The lights are out. How would you know anyway with that sleep shade on? Well, something's flashing in my head. Ow! Take an aspirin. Okay. Hmm, feel better already. How can you chew those things like that? Wash it down with something. All right. <sighs> John Bickerson, you washed it down with bourbon. You lied to me. You got the lights on. Yes, I'm going to keep them on. Sit up. I want to talk to you. Please, Blanche, I can't sit up. My head will fall off. Why do you always have to talk in the middle of the night? When else can I talk to you? You come home for dinner and bury your head in the paper. Never a word out of you. And you tell me you've got to go to bed early because you have insomnia. Well, I have. It takes me hours to fall asleep. It took you all of 30 seconds tonight. Well, this was a good night. Good night. John. John. Hmm? I went over to see the Marvin's new baby this afternoon. It's a beautiful child. Do you know their first one is over a year old? I hope so. He's been walking since he was eight months. He must be awful tired. I am too. Children are such a blessing. Mm. It's wonderful to watch them grow up. You'd be surprised how many childless couples are adopting children. I'd better have another aspirin. Boy, have I got a headache. Mm. John? Mm? Don't you miss the patter of tiny feet around the house? No, I don't, Blanche. Children are wonderful, all right, but you have to be able to afford them. All this talk of adopting. What the devil is that? What's what? That. 
Put the lights on. John. Blanche, don't tell me that you went out and... It's and only a dog, silly. A dog? What do we need dogs for? I got for? a little puppy. Where's the aspirin? What did you get a dog for? Now, don't get hysterical. Where is the little beast? I can hear it, but I can't see it. He's right there, in the bureau. I've got him in your shirt drawer. You put him in there with my shirts? He won't suffocate. The drawer's open. Blanche, you know I'm allergic to dog hair. It gives me sinus trouble. Where's the aspirin? You are just a big hypochondriac. You imagine those allergies like you do your insomnia. I tell you, I'm allergic to dogs. They make me... make me... Get rid of that thing. He'll whine all night and keep me awake. The man said he'll keep quiet if you give him one of those worm pills. Well, where are they? On the night table by your bed. How do you give a dog... Where... They're on the night table by your bed. There's nothing here except the aspirins. The aspirins are in the medicine cabinet. How can they be in the... Blanche, what have I been eating? No wonder my headache won't go away. Why do you do these things to me? Send for a doctor. Don't carry on so. If they're good for a dog, they won't hurt you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, she tells me. Here I am dying from dog poisoning. My, my head is splitting. She knows I'm allergic to dogs, hides the aspirin, and makes... I don't know. Get up so early, never get another wink of sleep as as long as... John. John. Hmm? Gesundheit. Thanks. I can see how much sleep I'm going to get tonight. We'll have to get rid of the puppy. Now you're talking. I want you to take him down to the dog pound. Okay, I'll do it on my way to work. You go in the opposite direction. Well, I'll go out of my way. You say it, but you won't do it. You better take him now. What? Go on, get up, take the puppy to the dog pound. Blanche, are you out of your mind? It's after two in the morning. They're open all night. Go on, get up and take him. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. You know I went to bed with a splitting headache and had to take a dozen worm pills to fall asleep. You'd take the dog to the pound quick enough if Gloria Gooseby asked you to. How do you always manage to work the conversation around a Gloria Gooseby? Well, if you wouldn't shout so much, maybe the puppy would be able to sleep. Oh, what's the use? Good night. I thought it would be nice to have a little dog, especially when we move into our new apartment. Still have a year to go on this one. Our lease expired on Friday. I renewed it yesterday. I canceled it this morning. Amos is raffling off the apartment for me. That's a good idea. Am- Amos is what? Amos sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece, and the winner moves into our apartment tomorrow. Oh, Blanche, no. I... I don't believe it. We'll be on the street. Amos said he'll find us a new place in a jiffy. Jiffy? Haven't you heard there's a housing shortage? Where would he find a place? Well, I bought a ticket myself. It's a wonderful chance. Lovely three-room apartment, large kitchen, big closets. It's worth $2, and we might get it. Get it? We've got it now. I know. But even if we didn't win, we get the $1,000 Amos collected for the rest of the tickets. Look, Blanche, I gave the landlord a $1,200 bonus to renew the lease. So now I'm out $200 and I've got no place to live. Sounds like pretty poor business to me. Why do you make such deals? Now look, Blanche... The trouble with you, John, is that you are too conservative. Look, Blanche... If you'd pick up some of the deals that Amos has, we might be able to live as nicely as he does. Blanche... He's been living at the Biltmore Hotel for a year. He sleeps on a billiard table. Look out. Where's my slippers? What are you going to do? Let me get to that phone. I'll show... Ow! Ooh! Ooh! Put on the lights! The lights are on. Open your eyes. Oh. Here's here's the phone. I know it's going to ring, and 
I want to be ready when it does. Hello? Excuse me. Drop dead. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That wasn't Amos. I'll get it, I'll get it. Amos. Hi, Jacko. What are you doing up this time of night? Packing, Amos. We're moving, haven't you heard? Why aren't you going to invite me in? I'd like to look the place over. You mean... Yep, I won the raffle. Darndest luck I ever saw. Who drew the ticket, Amos? Fair and square. I wouldn't take a chance having some phony draw it, so I drew it myself. What a coincidence. Get out of here. What's the matter with you, Jacko? You got a thousand dollars coming, and if you're worried about a place to live, I'll rent you the garage. You haven't got a car anymore, you know. Get out of here before I hit you with a cleaver. Okay, Jacko. You don't have to get sore. You better give the money back to people you sold tickets to, or you'll have a lot of explaining to do. Not me, brother. You'll have to do the explaining. I'll tell them you won. Good night, Jacko. That guy will wind up on a chain gang as sure as... Was it Amos who won? I did. Now at last I can go to sleep in my own bed without worrying. No, you can't, dear. The dog's in there. But, oh, nuts. I'll sleep in the garage. Good night, John. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and uh, we're going to talk this hour about mountaineering and uh, the achievement of a lifetime with the author of a book called Beyond Possible, One Man, 14 Peaks, and the Mountaineering Achievement of a Lifetime. His name is Nims Persia, and he joins me by phone. Hi, Nims. Welcome to the show. Hey, buddy. Thank you for having me with you. Um. How do you? Well, first let's let's talk about this. Fourteen Peaks. Um, there is a Netflix documentary called Fourteen Peaks, and is how are the two connected? So, so pretty much is exactly the same. Um, the Beyond Possible book is in a lot in depth, in a lot detailed uh, because it's a book. Um, the 14 picks is a feature film. Um, it's a replication of, um, you know, kind of, you know, beyond possible. But, you know, as you know, the video, the picture speaks thousand words. It's for people to, to kind of you know, get in there and absorb it, you know, from those amazing contents that we're able to capture. So, yeah, those are the kind of, you know, like, I would say, uh, basics, you know, fundamentals between these two, the book and the film. Nims, you're from Nepal, right? Yeah. And is 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 it more likely that someone from Nepal is going to want to climb mountains than than somebody like me from Michigan? <laughs> no, like to be honest, um for those people who haven't read the book, look, I grew up in the most flattest and warmest part of country, Nepal. Okay, <laughs> until I was thirty years old, I never thought that I would go and climb this mountain. I never. 
even when I was in Special Forces uh, in UK, I was uh, I was on the lead for MPVS, so which is like you know a lot of you know free falling, skydiving, and uh, kind of you know diving as well. So I never thought I would go and climb these mountains, to be honest. But the story here is my these two things that kind of you know like really really got me why I started climbing. Imagine you know. You come from really humble background. You joined the Gurkhas, got selected amongst 30,000 of candidates in Nepal, and only 230 made it. And you think you're kind of cool. Then moving into special forces, you know, I was the first ever Gurkha to be in the SBS. And then you know, when you you serve in the special forces, you go around the world, you know, doing crazy, crazy stuff, and you think you are invincible. But you know what? When I went to the mountain, it really made me very humble, right? The other purpose was, look, when you live the life on the element, when you live the life on those adventures, you kind of you know, truly find who you are. You know, in normal day-to-day -day life, we worry so much, you know. We stay in this amazing, let's say, house. You've got facilities to the to the to the you know, if something happens to the police, to the healthcare, to everything. You know, there's a heater in the house, you got 24-7, there's like gas in the house, and we still complain. But when you go out in, like, let's say, the Himalayas, the nature, it kind of you know, put things into perspective. You know, these days, a lot of people are unhappy, and happiness can be, can be found easily. And where, you know, you go on those big mountains and all that, you can easily relate things. And things become very clear and simpler, and 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 this is one of the reasons why I started climbing initially. Well, and I want to ask you about that because most people will climb a mountain, and that's a huge accomplishment if they successfully, you know, get to the mountain top and and they count that, yeah. you know, they check that off their bucket list. What was it about you that got to the bottom of that first one and said, oh, and 13 more to go? <laughs> in in whole of the life, to do bigger things, you need to find the purpose, right? And for me, I had a very good purpose why I was doing this. Otherwise, imagine, man, you know, you served 16 years in the British military. You have left only six years to get full pension. You know, which is like now relatively easy because you know you're quite senior in the ranks in the in the service. But to give that prestige job away, to sacrifice your pension, and to say that you know what, I'm going to even sell my house and go and do this climb. For those kind of stuff, you need a purpose, and 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 hence why. And my purpose was one: look, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, what barriers you think you have. You know, whatever the excuses you can think of. But you can always show the world nothing is impossible. Right? The second one was the Nepalese climbers, you know, they have been the frontiers of a thousand meters. I felt like they never had the justice. So I really wanted to highlight and uplift their name in the world. Um, so those were the two reasons that give me extra energy to push myself further if that makes sense. More with Nepalese mountain climber Nims Purja straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with Nepalese mountain climber Nims Purja straight ahead. All 14 of uh, the mountains that you climbed, Nims, were 8,000, called 8,000 meter, quote, death zone peaks. Um, yeah. Were they, when you're climbing one mountain versus another mountain, is it, pretty much the same or is each one very a very different experience okay so i will tell you this even if you climb one mountain second time it's still a completely different experience so climbing oh, from really? one eight thousand meter peak to another eight thousand meter peak is completely different you know each mountain has got its own kind of you know like the the inner core of you know like strength that you feel is mountain has a different kind of in you know, the ridges you know, different um structure and yeah how long does so, it take yeah, to climb one of, how long does it take to climb one of these mountains so okay just to put you into perspective to climb one mountain like everest you know people used to take two months okay so going back into why people thought it was crazy is you know, it's like, you know, when I said I'm going to climb all the 14 peaks in seven months, people were like, no, it's not possible. Even, and I'll <laughs> say that, you know, your aim is like, you know, you're saying that I'm going to swim to the moon, right? <laughs> so what to put people who doesn't understand, it's like me saying, okay, the fastest record to run full marathon is two hours, and I'm going to do that in 20 minutes. And and now you think who would believe that, right? Right. So I have to go through all that. Um. But yeah, for me, you know, I had that kind of an endurance um, on 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 the mountains, the big mountains, and again, even in the sea level, my I'm I'm quite fit. You know, coming from the special forces background, you know, it's a hell of a like six months worth of selection here, and then every day for like thirty days, you carry seventy five pounds, and you have to run like roughly thirty kilometer on the hills, doing roughly you know like four k an hour. It's a very speed, and then. At the end of that, you have to, in the morning, you will do like 30 kilometer, and in the evening, you go for 100K endurance. And that's only the, the first month, and you got on the six months, you know, on the five months. So I was quite relatively fit in the sea level as well, but, you know, for me, my body was also a bit um, different on high altitude. So it's combined of everything, the fitness, you know, the purpose, the, the training, the hard work I've been doing, and it's all that, you know, putting together, you know, makes me who I am today. Now, as you went from one mountain to the next to the next, did you know when you climbed the first mountain that you were starting on a journey that would take you up and down 14 mountains? Yeah, well, I started with Annapurna, um, which is, you know, the most dangerous mountain in the world. Every four climbers who climb or try to climb Annapurna, she dies trying. So that's the statistics. So, yeah, of course, I remember it was really tough. The avalanche had came up and pretty much tried almost like semi-buried us. Because of that, I had to change the route, which was the most technical route called Dulles Rift. No one had ever climbed Dulles Rift since 1970s. And... Um, yeah, so I, of course I remember every bit of that, and it's still in you know, a fresh in my memory. Did you know that you were going to go right on to thirteen more mountains? 
Yes, brother. Yes. I never and, doubted that. And and once you, uh, when you finish one mountain, do you take, did you take any time off before doing the next mountain? Or did you do them, you know, right one after another? Um... I was doing right one after another, brother. You know, there was no there was no time to rest for this weekend. You know, the, the, <laughs> the only time to rest was like you know Annapurna when I was we had no money, right? No funding, so I was guiding there. So when you guide, you know, you cannot go at your speed. I was um, I was obviously you know I have to take the speed of their clients, and that means obviously a bit relaxing. So I guided on three mountains on Project Possible because. That would help me with the funding, and when you guide, it's a bit relaxing for me. So yeah. And now, having climbed all fourteen mountains, that must be a record. Wow, there are so many records. I think I probably got more than ten records in total. But yeah, is it is it even possible to break that record? Are there more mountains to climb? Of course, but there is always, you know, possibilities. And this is why, you know, the, the human being is so good because, you know, we, we, we break barriers, right? So before, like, you know, whatever the 100-meter record was, people thought it can't be broken. Then Usain Bolt came and he break it. And, and his record will be broken at some point. So even my record will be broken. So, and it has to be because otherwise we will not develop, right? We want the whole human race to be going farther, much more farther. So I hope one day someone will break this. But how, are, like, I, like I asked, is, is there, are there mountains that compare to these that, that could be climbed? I mean, is it possible for someone to climb 15 mountains or would they have to climb one of these mountains more than once to top your accomplishment? Um, no, no, they, they, well, the thing is, they, they can just climb with a bit shorter, you know, in shorter time, right? Oh, I see. And I'm sure, like, um, yeah, because yeah, I did, you know, 14 peaks in six months, six days. And look, if I had if I had money and everything, sponsorship, everything, I could have done this all 14 peaks in four months, even without oxygen. But for me, I didn't have that luxury. I had to raise the money at the same point. I was doing, you know, the, the managing the whole logistics, the team dynamics. I was filming the whole of the project there. You know, I was dealing with, you know, the, the emotional and psychological stuff between, you know, with, with my mom's and my family's health. A lot of things were happening there, brother. And I had to guide people because there was no funding. So, yeah, of course, it can be broken. How did you first know that you wanted to be a mountaineer, that you wanted to climb mountains? So look, I never had thought of climbing the mountains. So with you know special forces, I used to go around the world, and you know all my friends you know from SF are like six foot tall, you know white guys, massive, you know, and then they would see me like they would say, hey, where are you from? And I would say, hey, I'm from Nepal, and many people would know what Nepal is, where it is, and many wouldn't know where it is. So I have to say, okay, do you know Mount Everest? And they would like, yeah, you know, everybody knows Mount Everest, right? Of course. And then they would ask me, they would ask me, have you seen Everest or have you climbed Everest? And I was like, no. So 
I was kind of sick of saying no. So I was like, oh, maybe, you know, it's in my contract. I should probably go in and have a have a visit. So at the age of 30, December 2012, I decided to go on this trek. And, you know, as soon as you go there, you know, it's such a beautiful, like, you know, the whole mountain, you know, in Kumba Valley, dominating the whole of the region. And I was like, how it feels to climb, you know, one of these mountains, right? And I was like, okay, so I managed to convince my, my guys, you know, we, we we had no crampons, nothing. So we kind of, you know, like got the crampons on the mountains from a local hut. He trained how to do crampon walk on the grass when we, I was replicating the snow. And eventually we climbed 6,200 meter peak over to east. And on the climb, what I, I experienced was, you know, coming from, again, you know, the, the whole of the Garaka background, you know, where we, you know, say it's better to die than to be a coward. You know, all those motors we live by then coming into UK Special Forces. We think, you know, we're invincible, but then the mountain also made me very humble. And and that's the whole part, you know, those different aspects, you know, that made me go to the mountains more and more. What um what was the the toughest thing you experienced during all of these climbs? I think the toughest experience was the whole of the multi layers of, you know, putting everything on the line, that pressure, managing all, you know, like the social media. I was never on Facebook and Instagram before, you know, 2019. So obviously I had to manage that and then make the, the noise because to, to raise the awareness so people can go fund me and, you know, like all those donations. Um, not only that, you know, I was filming the whole of the, of the thing, managing that, the team dynamics, the logistic, you know, I think it's the multi-layers of, you know, those physical and emotional challenges that you have to go through was the toughest. But if you are really asking the question about the mountains and the, and the physical aspect of it, uh, it is, you know, Kanchenjunga, where I gave my oxygen uh, to this other, started rescuing, and we had to rescue four people in total, and this is You're dropping when, out. You're dropping out a little bit, Nims. Are you still there? My guest is uh, Nims Persia, and uh, his uh, memoir Beyond Possible. Um, is uh, out. It's um, connected with. Uh, there's. Um, let's see if I can find the actual title and read that off. Uh, yeah, beyond possible, one man, fourteen peaks, and the mountaineering achievement of a lifetime. And there's also a Netflix documentary special tied to uh, this accomplishment um, called Fourteen Peaks. And. Uh, Nims, are you still there? Well, I seem to have lost Nims's voice. Maybe they'll disconnect and, and call back and reconnect. Um, again, the um, 
The book is out uh, with National Geographic. National Geographic is also releasing a young person's uh, version, a young reader's edition, at the same time as his adult memoir. They're both called Beyond Possible. And um, these 14 uh, mountains that Nims Persia climbed um, were, were 14 of the world's 8,000 meter death zone peaks. And uh, I hope we're going to get a chance to talk to uh, this Nepalese mountaineer, Nims Persia, some more. But um, perhaps we'll have to just uh, call it good. You can. I don't know if that's. Nims, are you there, or did we lose you? I think we just finished that. Um, There's Nims. Um, the last question, so we're about to, to go on. It's okay. At any time during uh, the time you were climbing these 14 mountains, did you ever think, well, I did three, that's good enough, or I did five, that's good enough. Did you ever think about not doing all 14? Um, not at all, brother, because, you know, again, I really believe, you know, whatever I say things, I have to do it. Otherwise, you know, what's the value of saying things and what's the value of the word? You know, my mission statement was to climb all the 14 peaks in seven months. And just to, you know, tell you what I was thinking was, you know, when the Chinese government, um, you know, denied, rejected my permission to climb Sisapangma, my last mountain, and when my mom's house got really ill on those two um, cases, there was a possibility that I would I would fail my mission because I had probably climbed, you know, 14 peaks in eight months or whatever it is. And I and that to me would be even though I would break probably seven world records, even that to me would be a mission failure. I was prepared to go and repeat again if even I go over the mission statement by a day. Um, so if I had done seven months, um, and let's say, you know, I did six months, I did in seven, seven months, right? If I had gone by one day, seven months and one day, I would have done this again. Now that you've accomplished this, Nims, and, and climbed all 14 of these, of these mountains, what's, what's next for you? How did, do you, can you top that? Well, I think right now, you know, what I'm really focusing is, you know, I have a guiding company, Elite Expert. Uh, two of the other friends, you know, Mi'kmaq David and Mi'kmaq Tenzi are partners. And I'm just working so hard to establish that. So I just came from guiding in Antarctica, you know, climbing the highest mountain over there, Vincent, and skiing the last degree. And immediately now I'm off to Nepal to guide on Everest, where I'm guiding, you know, the Princess of Qatar, and few other people who are joining me on this trip. But the other big part, what I'm doing here is I just announced the big mountain cleanup project. I believe that everybody in our home, everybody you know, should play their part in order to have our earth healed, in order to have our earth to bring its sustainability back. So as a mountaineer, you know, I announced the big mountain cleanup project where we are trying to clean all the rubbish, all those in you know, debris and everything from from Everest. So I will be cleaning Campo, 
came to and all that this season. And um, yeah, and after that, again on K2, um, a lot of people, you know, also died because of there are so many old ropes. And when people are tired, they put the, the, the clip safety into the wrong rope and they fall to death. So even from the safety and both, you know, like the cleaning and sustainability perspective, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, the big mountain cleanup project. Those are the immediate goals at the moment. Why were you successful when some other people haven't been successful in climbing these peaks? Do you think everybody can do it, or um, do you have some special gift? People have tried 14 times to climb one 1,000-meter peak, and they haven't been able to, to do that. Okay? So... For me, what I really believe is, you know, coming from the Gaika, the training, the special forces training, you know, all these things. And the way I think is differently, you know. People think, like, everything has to be done by the book. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm different. So, like, just to give an example, I could climb on wind speed of 60 to 70 kilometers per hour. Uh, other people wouldn't even dare to get out of the tent. So I think that will probably speak for itself. Nims, um, after this accomplishment, and as you try to launch your, your guide business, does this uh, accomplishment make you um, one of, if not the most sought-after guides in the world? My brother, I'm the best guy in the world. There's no one like me, so that's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would think that. So, that... So just, to, just to elaborate on that one, brother. Look, so so far, I have led 26 expeditions above a thousand meter peak. Okay, and I'm not counting 7,000 and all this. 26 expeditions above a thousand meter, and I've never fell not only in terms of reaching to the summit, but bringing everyone back home exactly the way they have left. No one even has lost fingers or toes in my expedition. No one in the world has got that track record, my brother. I think that should speak for itself. Well, that has to make for a pretty good resume, Nims. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> um. What did what did it feel like for you once this was all done and you were able to um, put it all together in this book, or or even better still, sit and watch the Netflix documentary of your accomplishment? Brother, you know I really deal on my success or anything. You know, for me, I have got bigger goals in my life. So, just to give an example, I finished this project in in October twenty nine. Two days after, I went and guided on Amadablam. Okay? So, look, I'm not going to rest, brother. i got so much to achieve in life. There's more things to do. You know, there's more things to change for, for so many people out there. So I'm full on, brother. Well, you're working on getting your guide business going, but um, is is that the focus of your attention going forward, or do you have some other goals and projects that you would like to tackle in the future? 
But there are some other projects that I would like to tackle in the future, brother. Um, but for that, you know, everybody have to stay tuned. Well, let me let me ask this, Nims, because we're we're almost out of time. But I always try to give guests yeah. an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your accomplishments, past, present, and future. Obviously, the book is a great place to start. The Netflix documentary is a good place to start. But do you have a website you could share with people? Yes, buddy. It's just nimstai.com. And you can find all the information about the book, about the film, about the expedition, everything over there, brother. And and what was the website it's again? Nimstai.com. Can you can you spell N-I- that? Yeah, so it's November India Mike Shera Delta Alpha India. That's Nimstai.com. And equally, people can follow me on on the social media. Again, my name is same. It's Nimstai on Facebook, Nimstai on Twitter, Nimstai on Instagram. Is that by with a B? And uh, it's names die. Oh, D E I. Okay, I I I just want to make sure D-E-I. people get it right because I think a lot of people are going to be interested in learning more about you, Nims. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, and keep up all the great accomplishments. Thank you so much, brother, and you have a lovely morning. Okay, take care. Again, Nims Persia is a Nepalese mountaineer and a holder of multiple mountaineering world records. And uh, his memoir is, uh, let, me, let me get back to the, uh, the front page here, um, is called Beyond Possible, One Man, Fourteen Peaks, and the Mountaineering Achievement of a Lifetime. He literally... Back to back to back climbed 14 mountains that uh, were considered uh, 8,000 meter death zones. 14 of them. Anyway, we will uh, have more of the Tom Sumner program.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately and with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
from the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee. He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, Goo 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 Daddy picked him up, threw him on the floor, says, this baby's done wet on me. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, I one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, think ethnic. You gotta think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin. When John Henry was a little baby Sitting on his daddy's knee He picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel And said this hammer be the death of me, Lord, Lord Hammer be the death of me Yeah, when John Henry was just a little tyke He picked up a piece of steel and a hammer it seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why was a little boy used to go around hammering on things? His daddy bought him a little hammer. Let's go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures. We <laughs> used to get a licking all the time to go up and hammer on the front door. Hammer on the chairs. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size, and he grew in stature, and he grew in his mind, his horizons grew. He started going out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. Hammering trees, people's fences, the fire hydrants. While John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one mop. Yeah. All dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. People started talking about John Henry. Why is the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad? And the whole story of John Henry really starts the 
day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, tell me something, Captain. <laughs> Then the captain said, John Henry, I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round. I'm gonna bring me a steam drill out on the job. I'm gonna pop that steel on down, Lord, Lord, pop that steel on down. Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job. Big red steam drill, shiny smokestack sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there, muscles rippling in the sun, sweat running off in gimlets. Ringlets. Well, the captain head of all the railroad workers, looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over and he looked over at John Henry, with his beady little eyes. And he snarled over at John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands, picked up those two nine-pound hammers, walked slowly over towards that steam drill, spit on the steam drill. <laughs> Then went over and spit on the captain. <laughs> so it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. Well, it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. That steam drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it. <laughs> well, the captain walked up to the starting line. I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. Took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. <laughs> Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. Bang! <laughs> That started that race.
When the steam drill was going on the left side And John Henry hammered on the right The steam drill made ten feet, John Henry only three Then it hammered John Henry out of sight, Lord, Lord Hammered John Henry out of sight <laughs> <laughs> Hammered John Henry out of sight <laughs> Oh, Lordy Yeah, that's right John Henry lost that race Dumb smile, I thought he could be a steam drill. <laughs> what a thing for crying out loud. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no fool. Before I'll die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. Get me a steam drill too. Get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell there is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if you got a better cough in your arm and if you got a better <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run but half the docks were busy overseas with world war one today we have mass media and scientists to say if you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away super damn important that we practice isolation cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation will overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation it's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it then we're all gonna die if we don't do it then we're all gonna die and so i hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart cause it's already scary and we're only at the start if you get bored just think of the immunocompromised who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized oh super bad transmittable contagious awful virus if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine the last until july a super bad transmittable Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh.
Alexander Zonjic, Don't Touch That Dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.